Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. So we are ending a collection of talks called God Has a Name, if you want to get your notes out this morning. And as a reminder, we give you the notes so you don't have to remember everything in one instance. You can take it with you and rehash it and revisit it over the week. But I have absolutely loved this collection of talks. I loved the the knowledge that we're getting, the learning and leaning in to this idea that God has a name, meaning that he is a person that we can know. He's not some sort of figure or some sort of idea. He is a person. He refers to himself, first off, as our heavenly father in scripture. So that means we can know him. We can have a relationship with him. And my goal for this, honestly, God's goal for this collection of talks has been to do this, to move from our view of God being very small like this, to be just a small thing that we talk about for an hour on Sundays, to actually a big view of God that overwhelms in a good way our life. That when we realize that this is my view of God, so my issues and problems and doubts seem a little smaller in the view of a God who is absolutely incredible, absolutely amazing, absolutely good. Turn to the person next to you, give an elbow and say, hey, God's pretty big. God's pretty big. He is. And as you know, if it's your first time, we do a lot of that little stuff and claps and amens. It's all good. And we lean into it today because, again, this is a conversation together, a conversation of learning and knowing who God is. And today's title for our conversation this morning is Carry the Name. Carry the Name. Maybe you've been to a party or a mixer before or a networking event. I don't know why I use the word mixer, but a networking event, that sounds weird. But maybe you've put one of these on before, right? A name tag. And you've got to put the name tag on and you write your name. And all throughout that party, people look at that name tag and say, oh, hello, my name is this. Nice to meet you. And you begin to carry that name wherever you go. As soon as they see that name tag, that's what they know to refer to you as. Well, what I want to do today is begin to clarify really when God says, hello, my name is, what it means. And that we carry that with us throughout our life. One of the most important names that God uses, it's actually the first proper name that God uses to refer to himself, is the name Yahweh, which means this in the Hebrew language, the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. Let me just tell you, if it's your first time in church in a long time, or you just came because of someone invited you, I want you to know God has been there for you. God has been a part of your history. He's walked you through some things. Even when it seemed like he was far away, I remember my grandma had this uh, little poem picture in her hallway that was called Footprints in the Sand. You ever seen this? Where you see the footprints along the beach, and in the poem it says, well, God, at some points in my life, when I look back on my footprints, I only see one set. And God says, it was in those moments that I carried you. Oh, what a good memory. What a, and it's more than just a piece of artwork. It's true. I want you to know that even if you may not have believed in him at times, God's carried you through. And he's been there in the was of your life. But why we're so excited today and why we can celebrate today is that God is in this room right now, the middle part of the word. 
He is right now with us as we live, move, and breathe. And tomorrow, he's also the God who is to come. That tomorrow, there's nothing that could happen to you that is going to shock God. He is going to be there. He is going to be good, and he's going to be trustworthy. And that is the name that God carries, that he is a good God who was and is and is to come. When we were naming our kids, as I've said before, my wife, Adrienne, who you saw up here earlier, was very leaned into being intentional about those names because our name means something. And God is all about names in Scripture and changing names. As we're going to talk about, one of the first guys that walks with God is a guy who starts out by the name of Abram. But at some point, God changes his name to Abraham, meaning the father of many nations. There's another guy by the name of Jacob, whose, whose name literally means liar and deceiver. If your family named you Jacob, I'm sorry. If you're watching online, I'm sorry. That's what it means, though, because that's what Jacob did. He deceived his brother out of his birthright, right? Did all these crazy things. But God changes Jacob's name to Israel, meaning God's people. Isn't that total shift, right? When Jesus steps into earth and begins to start his ministry, one of his right-hand guys, one of his right-hand disciples, starts off as Simon, but he changes his name to Peter. From now on, you're going to be known as Peter, which means rock, and I'm going to build this thing around you. Well, not around Peter, but he was going to be a part of the building, the church around the rock that is Jesus. But God's all about changing names. God's all about the significance of names. And when my wife and I were thinking about the names for our boys, number one, we have named our oldest Shepherd. And man, he is every bit of the word shepherd when it comes to wanting to lead. One of his favorite things to do at birthday parties is to lead happy birthday. So he gathers everyone around the birthday cake, and he goes, all right, everybody, one, two, three, happy. He loves doing that. And if you've been at a birthday party with him, you have experienced that. He loves leading his class. Like he, it, This guy is five years old, and he is like the mayor of his preschool. He's walking through, hello, yes, my name is Shepard, nice to meet you today, and people are calling down, calling him down the hallways, hey, Shepard, how's it going, hey, Shep, it's going to be a great day. I'm like, How, what happened? Well, his name's Shepard, influence, leader. I believe that that is something that God blessed him with, because there's significance to that. I'll prove it to you even more. Our second son is named Theodore. We had a Theodora earlier, we have a Theodore as well in the house, but we call him Teddy. And if you've ever met Teddy... He loves everything with a face. If you have a face, you'll be good with my son. If you can smile, you'll be good with my son. If you can't smile, he will smile at you, and then if you actually have a heart inside, you will smile back because it's just the cutest thing you've ever seen. He looks at me, hey, and he's got all the grandma teeth going on right now. So he smiles at them. We just went to a conference of thousands of people. And every time Adrian would carry him through the hallways and through the big auditorium, people would see him and stop. Hey, what's your name? Especially old people, man. I love how much life comes into an old person when they see a baby. It's just like a little slash, a little piece of heaven here on earth. It's awesome. And I remember at one point, my wife said, hey, have you like met a bunch of people? I'm like, well, I'm just walking around carrying Teddy at points. And she's like, I just walked by a vendor. And he was like, hey, I know who that is. And she was like, who, me? And he was like, no, the baby you're carrying, that's Teddy. And I was like, yeah, I went and met that guy earlier. And she was like, he gave us a free shirt because he loved Teddy so much. I'm like, let's go. I'm all about free stuff. What does Teddy's name mean? What does Theodore mean? Gift. Who doesn't smile when they see a gift for them? See, our name means something. Our names carry weight. 
And today I want you to see who God is and the weight that it carries so that you can not only experience the joy of the gift that he has for you, but the power and hope that has a name, and we know that name is Jesus today, and we're going to lean into that this morning. So where does all this come from? Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 through 7, the Lord God is visiting a guy by the name of Moses. Moses is leading over a million people. He's having a frustrating go of it. As I've talked about in previous weeks, when you lead people, it's a difficult thing. And Moses is calling on God to give him some strength to show up in his life. Maybe that's you today. You are calling on God. You need some strength. You need someone to show up in your life. Well, here's what God says to Moses in that moment of need. It says, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. Would you do me a favor and just circle a couple word phrases here in the beginning. Circle came down and then stood there with him or underline it, bold it, whatever you do. Why do I want you to do that? It's because I want you to know, to, I want you to realize and build this foundation today that God is not far away. That God is so interested in coming down and being a part of your life. He is so devoted and so dedicated to relationship that he is not a distant God that we have to figure out how to get to. He is the God that came down. Thousands of years, even before he sent his son down, he comes down on a mountain and meets Moses. And what does he do? In Moses' anger and frustration and wanting to quit, he simply stands there with him. And I think today, one of the big mischaracterizations we have about God is that when God steps into our life, yeah, I get it, Ryan, God wants to come down, and I know maybe he's going to have this approach of telling me all the things that I've messed up in my life, and tell me where I, the mistakes that I made, and tell me about the deep secrets that I have. And yes, that conversation will come, but it's not the first conversation. That's very important. The first conversation is God simply telling Moses who he is. God simply telling Moses, hey, you're looking for me? Well, guess what? I'm right here and I want you to so desperately know me. Here's what it says, starting in verse five. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. And the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger. I had to put that into practice last night, watching the lightning game in overtime. I had to be slow to anger, but eventually I was very angry, but I'm okay now. Thank you for your prayers. But God is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. It says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. As we look at this passage of Scripture, would you write this down for me? It's the first blanks in your notes. It says that hope is the absolute expectation of coming good based on the character of God. We say it this way, that there is always hope because hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Well, this line here tells us that hope is way more than an emotion. Hope is way more than a feeling that you have to chase. Hope is an absolute expectation, just as you would expect that if I were to step off this stage, I would fall because of the law of gravity, Hope is just as an absolute expectation of coming good when you know the character of God. When you've known someone in your life who is of good character, you can trust them. When you know someone in your life who is of good character, you know you can follow them. When you know someone in your life who is of good character, you want to be around them. 
So when I talk about how God has a name, and I talk about that there is always hope, I don't want you to think that I am just some pie on the sky type, all right, fake it till you make it, look at this type approach. No, my absolute expectation of that there is always hope is because I know of a God who is always there, who was, who is, and is to come. And that is his character, meaning that it is consistent. It is who he is. He cannot deny himself. And here's my hope for you today. Proverbs 18.10 is that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the godly run to him and are safe. And as you hear these things, I pray that you would just let the truth about God and his word fill your heart. I remember when smartphones came out, there was this app that I used. I think you can just ask Siri now. But there was this app that I would use when there was a song playing in the restaurant or at the gym or at a place where I, I heard the song and I was like, oh, I really like that song. I wonder what song it is. And you would take out your little app called Shazam. Anyone ever remember Shazam? All right. And you'd hold it up and it would have to listen to the, I, I mean, I don't know how it did it, but it was pretty cool. It would listen to the lyrics and the tone of the song and then this is this song. And again, I think you can just ask Siri now. If you didn't know that, there's a pro tip for you this week. But what I, want, what I want for you today is to take a little moment of not asking Siri, but asking the Spirit to shazam you a little bit this morning about who God is, to learn about who He is, to listen to the lyrics of Scripture, to listen to the character of the God that I'm encouraging you to trust in for the first time or even more in today. Because here's what I know about God, is that He is the God who just won't stop until you are completely free. What is God's goal for you? To be free. What is God's goal for you? To know him and be forgiven and live free. That's what Paul says in the book of Galatians. He is reminding the church in Galatia over and over and over again, hey, just so you know, you don't have to live chained anymore. You can live free. You don't have to be chained down by fears or anxieties or stresses. Moses, you don't have to worry about the fact that you just failed. You are free, and I want to help you, and I want to lift you up. I want to strengthen you. I want to live through you. I want you to carry my name so you don't have to carry the pressure of everything that this world bears down on you. Listen, local city, I want you to know today that God does not stop loving you, speaking to you, lifting you up so that what? You can be completely free. If you're thankful for the freedom you have because of God today. Come on, give him an amen. Give him some thanks today. There we go. We're waking up. It's good. When I think about names, I think about influences in my life, right? And one of the biggest influences I've had in my life is teachers. I've had a lot of teachers in my life that I did not like. I've had some teachers in my life that did not like me, but I also had some teachers in my life that, man, my life is better because of them. My life is better because I got to be in their classroom. My life is better because they challenged me. Well, I went to, I went to University of South Florida. I was a religious studies major there. And one of the, the leads of that department over there was a guy by the name of Del Deshaun. He was one of the assistant deans of the College of, of Arts and Sciences in the Religious Studies Department, and he was awesome. He was also the graduation counselor, so he would help me figure out what classes to do. He was incredibly helpful. He was incredibly caring. He wanted to make sure you were always on the right track. He loved Ray's baseball, so we talked about that, and he was also one of the smartest guys I ever knew. Like, I could never bring up something to be like, oh, I've never heard about that. I could bring up anything. He'd be like, oh, yeah, this and that, and know a little bit about it. It was pretty incredible. 
And I got to be in one of his classes when I stepped into the religious studies program at USF. The first class you have to take is simply called Intro to Religious Studies because it teaches you how to think that way, how to critically read. And because you're doing a lot of reading, I would much rather read and write than do any sort of mathematical formula. My math knowledge ends with like Pythagorean theorem and that's it. Like after that, I don't know, all right? Like I got as far as statistics and that's it. No math, no sciences for me, a lot of reading and writing. That's why I loved what I did. And so this class taught you how to do that. And because of that, there was a ton of textbook reading, a ton of historical reading that you had to do about different religious movements and things like that. And every single day, I remember that the class was in the afternoon at one o'clock, Professor Deshaun would run in because he had just run up the stairs. And he would tell us, the reason I'm out of breath is because you should physically exert yourself to being out of breath twice a day. Okay, sir, that's weird, but awesome. Sounds great for you. You're the professor here. So he'd run in, and he would say, good afternoon, everyone. And we would know, okay, it's time to sit down, end our conversations, and we'd sit down and, and pay attention. And what I quickly realized is that this is not a class that you could afford to, you know, I suffer from a little bit of ADD. I could not do that in this class. Because what would happen at any moment is that he would call out your name and say, what do you think about that? Or what did the reading say to you? Or a specific question. And if you didn't have it, it was not good, if I can just be frank for you. He would, so I remember I would be sitting in class, and if I daydreamed at all, somehow he knew. I don't know how, but somehow he knew. He'd be in the middle of a lecture, middle of reading a passage from the lecture, and be like, Mila, what do you think about that? <gasps> uh, that's... Uh, and if I stuttered at all, he was like, on to the next person, right? But I remember when he would say my name, I'd immediately have this attention. And I remember it only took like once or twice where I didn't have anything to say or was unprepared where I felt really bad. Not because of a grade, not because of embarrassment, but why? I wanted to honor and respect this man. I wanted to honor and respect what he was asking of me because he cared for me. He helped me with my classes. He helped me get on the right track. He helped me graduate. And so when he would shout out my name, it wasn't a thing, oh, I got to check the box. No, I want to honor what he's asking me, and I want to learn. See, when God calls your name today, if your approach to him is, well, okay, I just got to check the box to make him happy, or I got to check the religious performance box, you're never going to live the fulfilled life, and you're never going to be completely free. But if when God calls your name today and you realize he is a heavenly father, a God who was and is and is to come, who loves you more than you could possibly imagine, when he calls your name, your response will be, God, how can I honor you today? How can I lift you up today? How can I pay attention to you today? Here's what I want you to know. I wrote this down in my journal this way, is that God is more concerned with your long-term character than your short-term happiness. That's why he's incredible. That's why he's worthy of following because he's not a God who is out to make you happy. He's a God who is out to make you holy, which what does that mean? Set apart different, to have a strong character that will help, you, that will help get you through the difficulties of life. So when God goes, Mila, I know what, I, okay, yes, God, I'm here. What do you need? Not because I'm trying to perform, but because I'm trying just to be in his presence and know him more and trust him in a deeper level. And what I want to do today is unpack a little bit of what culture represents, what the culture of character is right now, and align it with the character of God and how I believe at the end of our conversation in a few minutes, you can realize there is, there's no other option than to trust the God who has a name. There is no other reason to live my life other than what he is saying right now. And I believe it can lead you to a point of decision. Maybe that decision is 
saying yes to Jesus. Maybe that decision is getting baptized today and rededicating your life and altering where you're going. Maybe it's to be prayed for today by our prayer team at the end of service. But I want you to know we are more concerned with your long-term life too. And so here's some things I've, I've jotted down in my journal in studying this and leaning into Exodus 34 about that the God is, he's compassionate and merciful and slow to anger, full of unfailing love and faithfulness to a thousand generations, and he forgives. The first thing is this, is that in a culture of faithlessness, God is still faithful to his people. In a culture that says, well, I'm with you until I don't like you, then I'm done. My grandparents on my father's side were married for over 50 years. The average for a marriage now in 2023 is nowhere even close to that. I believe it's in the single digits of years. The average. We're not faithful anymore. We're only in something until it makes us not feel good anymore. We're only in something until we have to work for it. See, when Adrian and I stood up at the altar and said, until death do us part, it was not just a commitment, it was a covenant to be faithful to each other. Why? Not because we know we're perfect people, we're not, but because we know that our marriage is a representation of the faithful love that God has for his people. Can I encourage you today, you're gonna let God down, it just happens, because we cannot be perfect. But God is faithful to you, that even when we may let him down or make a mistake, he is always there to pick us back up. If you've ever heard of the story of the prodigal son, where is the position and posture of the father in that story? Sitting on his rocking chair on the porch saying, today may be the day my son comes over to that hill and comes back home. I'm ready for him. And every day he faithfully sat in that chair looking to the horizon, waiting for the silhouette of his son to eclipse that hill so that what he could run to him and give him a hug and give him a kiss and say, I'm so glad that you're home. That is what God is doing right now in this moment. He is sitting waiting. I cannot wait for you to take just that one step back towards me so I can get up to my feet, so I can come down to you and stand with you and let you know that I am always faithful. I have not left you. I was there. I'm there now and I will always be there for you. So what's our response? Just to be faithful, not to be perfect. I wrote it down this way, is that faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction in an age of instant gratification. I, have to, I gotta admit, I love Amazon. I love Amazon Prime. First thing I do when I'm shopping on Amazon, Amazon Prime only, get it by tomorrow, right? And now it's even like get it today by like 5 a.m., and sometimes it's, we get really mad, like, I'll just be honest, we live in Florida, we get these things called hurricanes. I don't like when Amazon tells me because of a national, natural disaster, deliveries may be delayed. What? Come on, man, I need my batteries, my flashlights. What do you mean delayed? I need my stuff. See, we want instant gratification. I get really mad at my Uber Eats driver when he's picking up other deliveries on the way to my house. Uh-uh. They should have gotten their order in earlier. I got mine in now. Get here, man. No delays. Instant gratification. We want it right now. And those are funny examples, but sometimes we'll begin to destroy our life by living up for these instant gratifications that destroy us from the inside out. They're short-term happiness, but they'll destroy your long-term character. And so God is just saying, hey, just trust me one step at a time. Because I believe everyone here, God can clearly today, if you allow him, to show you your next step closer to our God who has a name.
It's long obedience in the same direction. Anything worthwhile takes time. Anything worthwhile is hard work. What you see with Moses and the people of God is that God is so incredibly faithful to them. Why does Moses have to have this moment with God? Well, because just a few moments ago, Moses came down with the word from the Lord and smashed them in the ground in anger because in just the blink of an eye, the people of God had built a golden idol out of all of their, all their jewelry and were dancing around in some sort of ancient rave and his brother Aaron is like leading the charge and Moses is like, what is going on? God's like, I, I was just talking to Moses. What happened? Instant gratification. And God's like, hey, will you just chill for a second? <laughs> Take a deep breath and just commit yourself to long obedience. This is the big one, too. The second thing that I wrote down is that in a culture of do what you want, God is still devoted to disciplining his kids. Ooh, ew, Brian, what? Like, that's an important thing to know about God, though. I remember this moment is like tattooed in my brain. With my, with my dad. I was in first grade, long time ago now. I'm 35, so I'm, a, I'm an old, wise man now. Uh, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> but I remember when I was in first grade, uh, I was, uh, they would do these things called behavior reports. I went to a private school, and they graded you on a minus check, check plus, plus system. And if you can connect to that, minus was not good. And I was a minus kid. All right, I was getting minuses every week in the folder that was sent home because I was crazy. I talked, never listened. And so my parents kind of got frustrated with it. And they were like, Ryan, we're going to have to discipline you. And if you get another minus on your behavior report, you're going to get grounded. And as a first grader, that's a big threat. Not being able to go outside? Not being able to ride my bike? What? No, you're the worst, mom and dad. And I remember I got that progress report, that behavior report back. Minus. Ooh. And as in a first grader, I remember inherent sin, right? <laughs> I remember getting my ruler out, getting my pencil out, and changing that minus whoop, to a plus. I know. I'm a horrible person. I know. You would never do anything like that. I know. We're full of truth. All plus people, and I'm the minus guy, so you can feel better, right? And I brought it home, and they were like, oh. We expected at least maybe a check or a check plus, but a plus, okay, seems a little too good to be true, but okay, Ryan. And my parents being my parents, they went and asked my teacher, and they were like, oh, what? <laughs> plus? Ha! Are you kidding? No, we would have done two minuses. I don't know how that got changed. And so I remember my dad sitting down saying, Ryan, did you change this? No, dad, it wasn't me. My sister. Not Ryan. No, it wasn't your sister. <laughs> did you do this? He said, I just want you to tell me. You can be honest with me. And I remember breaking down as a little first grader in tears. Daddy, yes, I did. I didn't want to get grounded. And I'll never forget this moment. This is the love of a true father. He said, I love you, son. You can always be honest with me. He gave me a big hug. I love you. You can always tell mom and dad what's going on in your life but you're still grounded. <laughs> but, I, but we forget how important that but you're still grounded is in our relationship with God, don't we? Because God has to discipline us. Otherwise, we're never going to learn that we shouldn't play in the busy street or that we shouldn't touch the hot stove. God's trying to prevent some pain in our life, but he also has to realize, hey, when you do things I've asked you not to do, there's got to be a little discipline. And now I realize this as a father, 
Some of the most loving moments I have with Shepherd are when he is so repentant and sorry for something he has done wrong, and we just hold each other and love on him, and we care for him, even in the midst of tears. And I want to tell you, local city, you are robbing yourself of some of the most real and intimate moments with God if you do not believe that he still wants to discipline you to make you who you really are. If it's just lovey-dovey, it's not real. If it's just, oh, sure, whatever, whatever, yeah, I want you, just want to make you feel good. No. Oh, he wants to protect you. He wants to care for you. Now, if you continue reading in Exodus 34, there's kind of a big problematic verse, but I think it's important. It says, I lavish, this is God, it says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty, which is all of us. I lay the sins of parents upon their children and grandchildren, tire families affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Now, we read this and we're like, whoa, that's that crazy Old Testament God. But let me tell you what it's saying. In the ancient Hebrew, what it's saying is sin and guilt is a problem for everybody. That there is sin in all of us. When Adam and Eve messed up and turned their back on God, it affected everybody. It's not God saying, well, your parents are bad people, so I'm going to hold that against you. It's not what God is saying. It's saying that we are imperfect people and that we are guilty of things, and so we have to realize that God is here to help us be forgiven and be free. He also says it's very important on Child Dedication Sunday, parents, you have a big influence on your kids, so continue to plant them in my house, plant them where they can hear about the goodness of who I am. But look what it says. It says, even into the third and fourth generations. Now, this is important. This makes me excited. He starts off by the whole thing saying, I lavish what? Unfailing love to a thousand generations. And my judgment and discipline goes to the third and fourth. Now, in the ancient Hebrew language, what God is doing here, I love the picture that I found that exemplifies this for us who may not be able to read so much into this. It's that God is saying his mercy way outweighs his justice. Now, listen, justice is coming. He's a just God. He's good. He's got to deal with guilt and sin. But the overwhelming side of God that totally outbalances everything is mercy. So what's God's response to you today? Mercy. I want to help you. There are going to be times in your life where you're guilty and things are difficult, but I want to help you. There is such a beautiful presence in the posture of us as sons and daughters of God when we say, God, I'm at fault. You ever sit down from someone and, you, and, you're, and they're going to bring you an apology? Ever, just let, let me ask, anyone ever wanted someone to apologize to them? Okay, some of us. All right, no, no. Both hands. We've been wronged by people. How many times does it frustrate you, though, when that person sits down, hey, I'm so sorry, but here's why I did that? And they totally wash away and give all the excuses for what? Sometimes the beauty in the apology just say, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. That's it no explanation, no reasons. I'm just sorry. And I can tell you there is such a sincerity when you do that with God because no one wants to be a blame anymore. Look at the media, look at politics, look at celebrity culture. No one wants to simply say, yeah, I messed up. And it's damaging our culture. It's damaging our society. It's damaging us. So I've been building this collection of talks from a book that says God has a name. And here's what he says in that book. He says, because our society denies that all have sinned, it's forced to blame somebody else for the evils of the world. It's nonstop blame shifting. It's always somebody else's fault. 
This ongoing denial is deeply fracturing to our society and our relationship with God. If we, are, if we refuse to admit we're sinful, we can't receive God's ultimate grace and forgiveness. You can never receive God's forgiveness if you're not willing to admit that, yes, God, I've messed up. I mean, just go on social media for five seconds and you'll see how true this is. Their fault, they said this, they did that to me. You're a horrible person, not my fault. Here's why I did this. That doesn't fly in the church. Some of the most powerful moments I've had with God is when I've come down to this altar and say, God, I have messed up and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just want to be there. I don't want you to leave me. I don't want to have this approach to you where I say, all right, God, this is me, so just accept it. Here's my last thing, and then we'll finish. It says, in a culture of love me or leave me, God is still loyal no matter what. And he's committed to loving you so you can lose yourself in him. That's a big thing of culture right now. Love me for who I am or leave me. That's just not a healthy way to be. But also, God is not, not saying, yeah, I love you. I, 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 I love you for you. No, no, no. God loves you for who he created you to be. And God is not this like needy boyfriend that after the first date is like, hey, great time last night. Can't wait to see you again. Call me soon. And then they don't call for one day. And you're like, hey, remember our date on Sunday morning at that church? I missed you. Hey, can you call me back? And then the next day, hey, I'm still waiting to hear back. My phone number's still the same. Just, you know, we treat God like that. He's like this needy boyfriend that just is so enthralled by our presence that we're like, oh, God, I know you'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not needy at all. Because guess what? God doesn't need me. He wants me. And so that means he's loyal and he's committed to me. See, I want, to, I want to know that God has a name of loyalty so that I can lose myself in him. I don't want to explain to God why all these things that are on my life that, no, I just want to lose myself in the goodness of God and pour everything I have into him and he can wash me clean. He can forgive me and restore me. What is Moses' response in Exodus 34 after God tells him who he is? He immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. He said, oh Lord, it's true that I have found favor with you. Would you please go with me? Yes, it's a stubborn and rebellious people. I love how Moses sneaks in. These people are crazy, God. But you know what? But please forgive our iniquity and sin and claim us as your own special possession. What is Moses saying? God, I cannot do this without you. Throw myself to the ground. Please claim me as your own. I believe that you see some responses that we could relate to our life. When's the last time you fell down in worship and said, God, thank you so much? When's the last time you prayed, God, go with me, go before me before I do this thing? When's the last time you confess to God and say, God, I've messed up. I can't do this without you. Please claim me again. Here's what this whole idea of carrying the name looks like. It's more than just a name tag. It's that God wants a living, breathing people to put his name on display. I don't want you to see Ryan on this message. I don't want you to see local city. I want you to see the name of God and the name of Jesus. And I want you to live. I want you to breathe. We as followers of Jesus are not supposed to be these boring, heavy, weighty people that are like, oh. No. We're supposed to live. Be excited. New life on the stage. Babies. Baptism. Let's go. That's exciting. 
and we're breathing. There's life in our lungs. We're not dead. We're not boring. We're excited to live this life. And we put Jesus' name on that because I want people to see the only reason I got breath in my lungs, the only reason I'm free and living today is because of Jesus, the God who came down and stood with me and forgave me and freed me. Come on, that's who Jesus is today. And what do we do? What's the action step? To show the world what he is like, not only by what we say, but by how we live. I just want you to see what God's like. I want you to shazam a little bit of God today and he can show you clearly who you are and who he is. Because after Moses falls on the ground, God again speaks. And he says, Moses, here is what I am like and here's what you're gonna show people. Listen, I'm making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. I want local city to be a house of miracles, of life change, of healing, of forever influencing what God is doing here on this earth and in our city. And all the people around you will what? See how great you are? Nope. See the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. But Moses, local city, listen carefully to everything I've commanded you today merciful and compassionate. I'm slow to get angry, but I also forgive because there is something to be forgiven of. God has a name, and I can hope today because I know the character of God. He's faithful. He's loyal. He disciplines his kids, and he's devoted to his kids, and he has made a covenant with us that he will not leave us. So I would encourage you, take a step today. So we respond and worship in a moment, sing of the goodness of God. Get prayer. Make a decision to get baptized today and see who God is in your life and see that he is faithful. He is faithful. If that helped you today, would you give me a good amen and stand to your feet as we close today? Come on, stand to our feet. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.